You know, violent outbursts, not, I mean, I, I don't mean, you know, he's hitting people, um, right. you know, yelling at people a lot. I don't know if he's thrown anything. I would, that would, wouldn't completely shock me. Welcome to Washington in Focus. I'm Cole McNeely, General Manager of America's Talking Network. If you have not already, we ask that you hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to this podcast so you never miss a new episode of Washington in Focus. Now, here's your host, Jeremy Lott. Thank you, Cole, and welcome to the Washington In Focus podcast, powered by the Center Square. I'm Jeremy Lott, regional editor of the Center Square Newswire service for Washington State. Washington In Focus is a production of America's Talking Network. You can find all of the Center Square's great podcasts at americastalking.com. If you enjoy this podcast, and how could you not, we will ask you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It will pay great dividends for news watchers. Joining me today is Brett Davis. He covers Washington government for us. We're going to uh, talk about a very controversial issue uh, called uh, Roe v. Wade. <laughs> yeah, that's so in what, the news today. Yeah. What, so what happened today, Brett? So it looks like the Supreme Court basically overturned Roe v. Wade and is returning uh, abortion back to the states. Okay, And what will that mean for Washington state? It won't mean much of a change for Washington state because it has pretty strong protections for abortion. So in that regard, not not a lot would change for Washington residents. We we might see an influx of people from other states where abortion laws may be tightened uh, coming into Washington seeking abortion. I I know. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Pretty subtle, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> the potato state. Yeah. Uh, so that's the the main thing is that we think there may be I, I, as gruesome as this sounds abortion tourism here. Um, but I, I so I, I would I'm a little shocked you didn't just say absolutely nothing. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, the you know, the, the powers that be in the state have said, uh, you know, no, this isn't change anything. Uh, you know, damn the torpedoes. This is what we're doing. Full speed ahead. Full speed ahead. Um, but I, I want to get a little bit behind the news and, and talk about a, a story in this state that you've covered in the past where a very famous figure was on the other side of this issue uh, in, in a very significant way. Um, so, um, you know, t- set this up. Tell us who this figure was and what was the what happened. So way back in 1970, even before I was born, uh, there was a a woman named Captain Susan Strzok. She was a nurse in the U.S. Air Force who who got pregnant while serving in Vietnam. Uh, She was actually sent to McCord Air Force Base here in Tacoma, Washington. Of course, now it's Joint Base Lewis-McCord, not just McCord Air Force Base, uh, to have an abortion, at uh, which time uh, there was a requirement. uh, That was a requirement for her, you know, her getting an abortion to keep 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 her job. Yeah. Uh, the, the, so Washington state wait before Roe v. Wade had correct uh, was one of the first states, if not the first state that had thoroughgoing abortion, you know, availability. Right. And so and, she, she was a Catholic uh, and she didn't want to get an abortion or resign from the military. So that, that set off a legal battle that almost made it to the Supreme court. And there was a certain lawyer who prepared Strzok's case to be heard before the Supreme court. I think. And what people, was her name? Brett? Her name was Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Okay. <laughs> The notorious RBG. Yes. And uh, she, what did she argue? So uh, that case ended up never actually going to court because uh, the Solicitor General persuaded the Air Force to waive Strzok's discharge and mm-hmm. change the pregnancy regulation. But, you know, she was prepared to go to the mat for the case. So yeah. I guess we'll never know what would have happened, but she was ready to take it all the way to the Supreme Court. But that didn't end up happening. You know, it ended up going to the Supreme Court in 1973, Roe v. Wade. So. 
yeah. what might have been. <laughs> what might have been. No, it's very interesting about the thing about the case is that, um, you know, you, you have a, a person who's viewed as an abortion icon, um, you know, being willing to take it all the way to the Supreme Court for the right of, uh, a, you know, Catholic uh who was serving in the military to, you know, keep her job and keep her baby. All right. Irony abounds. You just yeah. never know how, how these things are going to play out. Indeed. So, um, and for our, our second story, I, I'm, I'm stepping back. I'm, <laughs> I am not host for a few minutes here. There is a transfer of power to Brett so Davis. I will try not to let it go to my head. Oh yes. So <laughs> you, I'll let you set this one up. All right. So uh, Washington state insurance commissioner, Mike Kreidler mm-hmm. looks to be in trouble basically for ongoing claims of promoting a hostile work environment at his office. Now, as I understand it, there have been growing calls for his censure, even impeachment. And uh, this thing seems to be coming to a head in that Kreidler's fired a legislative uh, liaison who had filed a whistleblower whistleblower complaint against the insurance commissioner. So can you fill us in on what's going on in yes, that regard? There, there, have been, there have been two major, there were three now, major controversies with Mike Kreidler this year. Uh, the first one was where uh, a legislative uh, the, the liaison between the insurance commissioner and the legislature uh, filed a, a complaint and said, uh, this man is behaving monstrously. Um, and I, I think something should be done about it because it's not this is not a good way to, you know, keep office morale high, uh, accomplish things in the legislature. You, you know, the, the, there needs to be change here. So right. what exactly has uh, Kreidler been accused of? Uh, you know, violent outbursts. Not, I mean, I don't mean, you know, he's hitting people, um, right. you know, yelling at people a lot. Um, uh, I don't know if he's thrown anything. I would, that wouldn't, wouldn't completely shock me. Uh, belittling people, um, you know, just being kind of a bad boss, basically. So that, that was the first thing. Um, and then uh, about a month and a half later, I believe, Another story broke about how, and, and this was mostly through anonymized, which means people who are, you know, speaking off the record, um, saying that the Kreidler, who is 78, has at times used, um, you know, un-PC language, uh, border, I would say racially insensitive language to refer to certain things, and uh, anti-trans language. And um, that's, in both cases, the, the governor's office said, Bad, um, you know, Commissioner Kreidler really needs to work on his issues. Um, you know, uh, we really hope that he will uh, and will continue to be lead the charge on insurance fairness or whatnot. Now, is, in it, is he in any real danger of losing his job? Well, the third thing happened. <laughs> he, <laughs> but wait, he, there's more. <laughs> there's more. <laughs> there, there, it really wasn't um, because the, uh, there was even a, uh, I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, there was a letter to the editor of the Seattle times from someone uh, complaining, like, why aren't the Democrats making an issue out of this? I don't understand. And he was one of part of some democratic committee. And um, so then uh, Kreidler decided to, how do we put this? He fired the whistleblower. Yeah. He did that last, last not week. A, not a good look. No, no. And uh, you know, so then uh, various legislators, uh, called for, you know, uh, him to really shape up or resign. Uh, and, and sometimes they're retrofitting what they said, because I, I don't believe Andy Billig actually called for him to resign, but now he's calling saying he called for his resignation that it look, it's possible. <laughs> um, 
But uh, that happened last Thursday. And then last Friday, uh, among other outlets, the Center Square wrote to the governor's office and said, hey, so about that, you guys still think he should stay in office? And, and the, the response was the governor issued a response saying, well, you know, uh, three strikes and you're out. No, he didn't say it exactly like that. Um, <laughs> he, he said, you know, I, I've been hoping that, that you know, uh, Senator Kreidler would or not Senator um, that I was hoping that Commissioner Kreidler would would shape up his act. But now he's firing a whistleblower. So very clearly he needs to go. Hmm. So now that, that was that was last week. Go ahead. So Kreidler, he's been insurance commissioner for quite some time now, hasn't Since he? Since 2000, he was elected in 2000, so he took office in 2001. Okay. Yeah, so he's been there a long, long time. And um, yeah, so uh, this week, um, we followed up and just said, uh, hey, members of... Oh, oh sorry. The, I, I skipped an important step. Then Kreidler issued an official response saying... I really love and respect Governor Inslee, but he's wrong on the whole thing about me being, you know, uh, that I should resign. So I'm not doing it. Right. <laughs> Can good with the boss. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so this week we followed up. I, I had uh, our, one of our, our stringers, uh, Lawrence Larry Wilson, send some stuff around to the legislature and said, OK, so he said he's not going to resign. So what are you going to do about it? Right. And we also asked the governor's office. The governor's office said, look, we're not going to tell the legislature what to do. That's that's their call. We've we've said what we're going to say. Um, we maintain that, you know, he should resign. And if they want to do something, that's their call. Um, the the uh, John Braun, who's the leaders of the Re leader of the Republicans of the Senate and J.T. Wilcox, who's the leader of the Republicans of the House, that they are minority leaders. Um, both got a hold of us and said, well, um, we could censure him. We could cut his budget. We could cut his uh, ability to do things. Um, and John Braun went as far as to say, you know, I, I think impeachment actually would be warranted here. Um, and so um, we are continuing to follow up with this and see, you know, what do their Democratic colleagues think about this? It seems like so, he's uh, it seems like Kreidler's getting it from all sides to a certain he, degree. He, he really is. And he's so, really stepped in it, as the kids say. Yeah, I, I suppose. Um, and uh, so that's that's the story of Mike Kreidler currently. But, you know, as the Drudge Report would say, developing. You know, what's funny about that is I, I went to college with a guy named Mike Kreidler. So when I hear Mike Kreidler, that's the person I think of, not the insurance commissioner. But they are two very different people. Yeah, I, they, they rather are. <laughs> um, so I guess so, I should uh, turn hosting duties back over to you, Jeremy. I mean, you know, if, if you really feel comfortable, you know, uh, stepping back from the throne. That's right. Uh, I will do so. Okay. And hand All it right. back to you. Heavy right. is the head that wears the crown. Yes. <laughs> I've always wanted to write a, a, a comic book, a Joker story, so that he can use the the the, uh, the line "Heavy is the head that wears the frown." But anyways. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, uh, the first story is titled "Tim Iman's Victory Over Five Capital Gains Tax Initiatives Is Complete." <laughs> I want a little uh, Emperor Palpatine with that headline. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what happened here? Tell us the story. So see if I can explain this without making people's eyes glaze over. Well, basically a well-known anti-tax activist, uh, Tim Iman, he filed five separate lawsuits claiming Attorney General Bob Ferguson's ballot titles on initiatives 1934 through 1938, which would in some way, shape or form uh, increase the capital gains tax. He said they ignored the law requiring neutral wording. Uh, the attorney general's office then asked for one judge to decide all five cases. 
I'm an objected. Saying I filed five lawsuits. Right. Which necessitated a hearing before Judge Indu Thomas in Thurston County Superior Court. Uh, before allowing consideration on the consolidation issue, uh, the judge posed a threshold question regarding whether the person who filed the initiatives erred in filing one lawsuit as opposed to five individual lawsuits as Iman had done. Yes. Uh, on the <laughs> So basically the judge ended up agreeing with Iman and she denied the request for consolidation. There would have to be uh, five different judges deciding the wording of the five initiative ballot titles. Uh, and petitions can only be printed after the judges had issued their ruling. So basically what Iman was doing was running out the clock. Yeah. And it and was because so, it was by July something that they needed right. to sell back by. And so the, the, the filer of the five initiatives basically withdrew, withdrew his, uh, his initiative. So they are kaput. They are gone. They are yeah. no more. It was already effectively dead, but um, Correct. He, he said, I'm withdrawing. Can we, and he asked Iman, you know, is it okay if we just call an end to this? Cause right. I'm, you know, the, the lawyers representing the, the, the person who filed the five initiatives basically sent a letter saying, you know, we give up. We yeah. cry uncle. We're Are not, you we're okay not with us crying like uncle? And he said, okay, fine. Yes. So uh, Tim Iman was reveling in his victory on his permanent offense website, as yeah. one would expect. So who didn't like this? Uh, Andrew Villanueva. I hope I, I'm pronouncing his name correctly. He's the uh, founder and executive director of the Northwest Progressive Institute. Uh, he sent me a, a rather long email, basically decrying Tim Iman as the worst person in the world and couldn't believe I had written a story that, you know, uh, that was framed in such a way that it gave Iman at least a little bit of credit. Indeed. So, so, <laughs> but I'm just happy he's apparently reading my stuff and oh, he's yeah. upset. Please, you know. please, Andrew, keep reading, keep writing us. We'll, and, and don't, don't worry. We'll quote you a lot. And I read his stuff too. So I guess it goes both ways. <laughs> Indeed. So our next story is in Inslee declines Biden's request to cut Washington state gas tax. What happened here? Right. So as a lot of people probably know, uh, Joe Biden early this week uh, endorsed the idea of uh, getting rid of the federal gas tax, which is 18.4 cents per gallon for three months. And so uh, I decided to ask some of uh, governor Jane's Lee's uh, representatives if, uh, you know, that would, uh, well, I guess we I'm should, skipping a part two like you did earlier. Uh, in, uh, Biden also President said, Biden also called for states to get rid of their their gas taxes as part of uh, dealing with prices at the pump. So uh, I asked one of the governor's uh, media representatives if you know this would uh would this uh, give the governor pause to consider actually getting rid of Washington state's uh, actually much higher gas taxes, forty nine point four cents per gallon, which is the third highest in the nation. And she basically threw uh, <laughs> cold water on that on the governor's behalf, saying uh, any such, uh, I guess, uh, any getting rid of the state's gas tax would basically just end up going going to the oil and gas companies. And, you know, why do that? Yeah, they, they um, reiterated a line they've used before, before <laughs> which is that, uh, well, there's for, you know, a certain subset of, of drivers, there is some relief coming next year. Correct. And and there's a uh, working we, families tax credit. And we asked the question this time that we've asked before that we've not got an answer to, which is how does that help people when next year? No, how, does, how does that help people? Right. Well, the, the how, yeah. How does that help drivers now? A, a tax break that's uh, going to be imp implemented next year. How does that help people now? Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the second time I've heard that. <laughs> uh, uh, this person I talked to the governor's office or emailed, you know, she got back to me rather quick on that, but with my follow-up question, you know, asking that very thing, how does a, how does a tax break that goes into effect next year help people now? Uh, crickets, silence, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, we actually, we gave the, this was uh, Jamie Smith, right? 
Correct. Yeah. Who? Yeah. The, of the governor's Spocks, I guess you would. That's the gender neutral term. I believe she's the executive director. She's the executive director. It's her official title. Sure. Yeah. Who actually um, does a very good job of getting back to me most of the time. So yes, I we applaud her we, for that. We, we like Jamie Smith. We do. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I, we, we actually just in, in fairness to her, we held off for a few hours we did. to try to get a response back and the Seattle times beat us. <laughs> I was not happy with that. <laughs> no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel like, uh, Jay Inslee is sort of the soup Nazi, but in terms of gas, no relief for you. <laughs> so, Ouch. you know, uh, I said yes. soup Nazi, not actual Nazi. Yes, so everybody it's, relax. It's just soup. It's just soup. Okay. Right. Um, all right. So the, our, our next story is Washington revenue forecast grows $1.5 billion. That is correct. Clouds gather. <laughs> You're really ominous with your headlines these days. <laughs> well, it's a good news for now, but as you know, we're in the midst of what the highest inflation in what 40 years and uh, record breaking gas prices. So yeah, those are the storm clouds I'm referring to. So that was uh, reflected somewhat in the, uh, latest revenue forecast, you know, even though it was up $1.5 billion for this biennium, uh, the, the council seemed to be a little, a uh, little more uh, wary about what, what's going to happen. Uh, they predict that, you know, these uh, increases in projected revenue are going to slow down greatly. <laughs> yeah. What is it like sitting through one of these meetings? Um, it's not exactly what I would call riveting, but you know, it is part of the job. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, th though you've done it enough that do, do you kind of fasten on to things that you didn't notice before and it, it gets a little more interesting or just, you still agree? Um, a little bit. You, you see some trends, obviously the trend in the last several revenue forecasts has been more revenue than was expected. So I, which I guess is a good thing for the state. Uh, but what's, I guess, disheartening is there never seems to be any, you know, accompanying tax relief, you know, it's like they're getting more and more and more money, but uh, no tax relief for, you know, put upon Washingtonians, beleaguered drivers who are suffering through the aforementioned high inflation and, you know, gas prices that are through the roof. So, yeah, it does seem like uh, something they could address. I mean, uh, Rep. Ed Orcutt, he's a he's a member of the Economic Revenue Forecast Council. You know, he basically pointed out that, you know, from February 2021 through uh, March of this year, there's been like a, a four point six billion dollar increase in revenue. And then you know, we're up another, you know, one point five billion with this latest forecast. And, you know, that's that's a little more than six billion dollars. We're up in this biennium, biennium alone. And and he said, you know, why can't we look at, you know, some form of tax relief? He said, you know, it's beyond me. But we don't do that. So. Indeed. But they're they're expecting a slowdown, so <laughs> we shall I, see what you, happens. You you watch these guys talk. Does, do any of them have a you know a flair at all? Like you know, I, I'm surprised you, somebody doesn't say you know that. So what what we're we're projecting is more money, more money, more money. <laughs> the, the, the the Democrats on the council seem to be uh, pretty uh pretty even keeled about the, uh, the increase in money. Uh, Republicans are a little more animated when it comes to calling for tax relief, but yeah. <laughs> nothing seems to change. No tax cuts, no tax cuts, no tax cuts. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Poke him with a stick and you know, get him to try and say that during one of these meetings. <laughs> that would be entertaining. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you, Brett. That's about all the time we have uh, this week on Washington In Focus. Washington In Focus is powered by the Center Square and a production of America's Talking Network. You can find all of the Center Square's great podcasts at americastalking.com. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, and how could you not? We ask you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jeremy Lott, regional editor of the Center Square Newswire Service for Washington State. Listen for another episode of Washington in Focus next week.